You're listening to to the Show We Go Baseball podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into episode 26 of To the Show We Go featuring Ed Hand and myself, Andrew Parker. Uh, Today, we have our third member of the Woo Sox on, a.k.a. the Woo Dogs. Uh, We had Brendan Nail on early in the season, and then we had uh, Chase Shugart on uh, just a few episodes back. So if you're looking for more Woo Sox stuff, definitely check out our guy Nail Gun and Chase Shugart. Um, Today, we have a our first position player actually for the Woo Sox been heavy on the pitchers, but we got Nick Sogard. Now, Nick, um, I just want to start it off before we get into some other things, but how has the uh the offseason been treating you? It's been good. You know, some much needed downtime, but it's been good. And so um, so I guess just kind of like going into it, I I wanted you had a well, I, I talked to you all throughout the year um, and maybe I sat down with you a couple times about just, you know, your 2023 year. But if you had to kind of just take a look at it and how would you describe how your 2023 season went with the Woo Sox? It was a good year for me. I think um, it was kind of a step forward in my career. Um, it was just a blast to play with that team, that group of guys, that staff is incredible. So Overall, it was a it was a fun year, and I think it was an important year for my personal career as well. Now you played third base, second base, shortstop, outfield throughout yeah. the, the whole season. You're just bouncing around from place to place. What's your favorite position to play? Shortstop has always been my natural position. Um, kind of as soon as I came over to the Red Sox, I've been playing more third and second and a little bit less there but um I, i'll play wherever i enjoy doing it i think it's fun to do it it kind of keeps things fresh to do it so i don't mind playing all over the place um it's fun to do it so i'm just trying to kind of get a little bit better at it because i've never done that before it seems like you were batting all over the lineup as well like i saw you leaving off batting second batting seventh do you have a, a spot you prefer in the lineup also or are you just kind of at all like whatever. I'll, I, I just want to hit. Right. I mean, I, I just want to be in the lineup really, but I like leading off too. Leading off's fun. I think there was a, a point in during the season where we, I think Ed was actually there and I think Chris may have been there too, but we were kind of just like, Oh, like lead off. So guards in the lineup today. Like I, I looked at your numbers and you in the leadoff spot, was, I, it was like significantly higher than everywhere else in the lineup. Uh, what was that stretch like for you? Like, I know, I think it was when Hamilton may have been down with an injury and it was after Duran got called up so that they were looking right. for a leadoff guy and you filled in perfectly. So I guess like, what was your mindset? I guess every day you were getting in the batter's box there leadoff and you were just leading off the game, getting on base. Yeah. Um, I've let off a lot in my life. So I don't know if that was maybe a sense of kind of comfortability or maybe a little boost of confidence from, from trace to say like, Hey, you're going to do this for us now. Um, or maybe just knowing I'm getting, at least five at bats that day is, I don't know, something about it just feels feels right. But I do like doing it. So, yeah, it seemed like well at the beginning of the season, at least you weren't necessarily in the lineup every day, and you you kind of forced your way into that. You were you ended up being I th- I think the steadiest guy in the entire Sox lineup for 
for the whole season. Is that, was it frustrating at the beginning of the year not to necessarily have that set role? And how did you take your, like, what was your mentality just go, showing up every day? Um, to be honest with you, that's kind of where I've always been throughout my entire career. So it's pretty comfortable. Um, Trace kind of came and found me and said, just kind of hanging there at the beginning, you know, and just take your opportunities when they come. And I've been told that throughout my whole life. So I was pretty comfortable in that role. And I'm always, you know, confident in myself to break out of that role as well. So when we had Shug on a few episodes back, he was your roommate this past year. Um, and he would, he said something interesting to where after a game, sometimes like you guys would talk and you would maybe ask him, be like, Oh, well, like, why did you do this? Why did you throw this? Or he would talk to you and be like, Oh, well, why did you do this? Was, how was that being able to like bounce, like just ideas and just like thoughts off of like when you get home with the guy that watched you play and, um, that you were comfortable with? I think it's valuable, especially to have it being a pitcher, you know, because, they're obviously thinking a lot different than we are or, or vice versa, but sometimes we're thinking the same thing. You know, sometimes we get in there and not, every, not every time either one of us wants to talk about it, but um, you know, sometimes we'll be thinking the same things or sometimes, you know, he might ask, I might say, Hey, you should have thrown this pitch to this guy because I think a lot of times, especially for a bullpen guy, it can be tougher because they've been sitting out there the whole game you know, and then I've watched this guy hit maybe three or four times already, kind of tell like what he's on or, you know, whatever. But, and then he'll do the same thing with certain at-bats that I take because maybe he'll pay a little more attention to mine than, than some other guys. I don't know, but it, it was a cool dynamic to have him um, to, to kind of exchange ideas with. And so baseball aside, I wanted to know what was it like living with Shug? It was good. <laughs> Um, he's a good guy, man. He's one of my guys. Um, I didn't really get too close. I mean, I played with Suge in 21 and then in 22 as well, but, um, kind of towards the end of 22 in Worcester, he was like kind of one of the only guys I had spent a good amount of time playing with prior to being on that team. So I think we naturally kind of just like gravitated towards each other. And then, you know, we were already buddies, but I think we just became a lot closer during that time. And then obviously this year, you know, that's one of my guys. <laughs> um, now, I remember reading an article that you did. I think it was with Tyreek Reed uh, last yeah. year with AA, where it was about the housing situation with uh, the team. And then, uh, you know, like the, the, that's the, there was the recent uh, the team actually paying for your guys living. Did it? How does it change where they have you set up between Double A AA and Triple A? Um, and is do, do they give you? Is it is it like a better situation at Triple A than Double A now, or is it kind of the same? Um, I think now it's. I think it changes year to year, to be honest with you, because Tyreek and I set up in Double A. Shout out to Tyreek, by the way. I miss that guy. That guy's the man. Um, our setup in Double A wasn't like. I heard this year's setup in double A was very nice and ours was good. Um, but then I've heard Greenville's this year was incredible. So I think it just depends on the contract or the year to year situation. I don't think it's a straight progression of as you advance, it gets more bougie or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but you, how, how'd you like living in Worcester this year? I love playing in Worcester. I really do. Um, the city is a fun little town. The park is obviously incredible. And then um, we stayed in a little apartment in Millbury, 
but okay. that was a, a lot smaller of a place in Worcester, but it was cool. <laughs> I like it. Uh, so in the locker room this past year in Worcester, I think you might be towards the top of the list for the most outgoing guy in the room. <laughs> and every day when, when me and Chris would uh, go around the corner into there and we would hear somebody like kind of yelling, maybe just getting a little hyped up. We're like, that's, that's Nick Sogard. <laughs> uh, so it seems like you were very comfortable in the locker room. So what, what was, uh, I mean, I, I noticed in Ed knows just cause we were kind of behind the scenes a little bit for the people that weren't in there though. What, what would you describe the vibes being like in the locker room all year round? Yeah. Um, my parents would be surprised to hear you say that. I think I kind of grew up being more shy. So for them to hear you say that, I think that's a testament to our, my teammates though. You know, like I really do like love those guys and it was just a good time to be there every day. So I think they probably bring that out of me. I have good energy being around them and doing the job that I'm doing. So I genuinely just enjoy being in that space every day. Yeah, my favorite uh, Nick Sogard moment was I got the, I don't I didn't usually show up there that early because um, I was always coming from my day job, but I got out early one day and I got there just when they were putting the lineup cards up and I'm looking at it and I go oh yeah no Nick Sogard's leading off I like that and from like you were like on the completely other side of the room <laughs> I just hear this yeah I like that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah I do <laughs> but um so th there was a lot of guys similar to you just in the versatility, um, you know, like Ryan Fitzgerald, but I think most notably for the more, I, I don't want to say casual Red Sox fans, but fans that follow the big league team more, Bobby Dahlback was getting uh, some playing time and shortstop in the outfield for the first time. Did you talk to him at all about swapping positions like that? Did Fitzy talk to him at all about that? Cause that's, you know, going for, he, he never really played outfield in his entire career. And I would imagine that's a bit of uh, even if you're a, 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 as good of an athlete as Bobby, that's still a transition. Is that something that you guys talked over with him before he uh, started doing it? Not really, honestly. Um, <clears throat> trying to think. I, I mean, Bob's a very cerebral player. He spends a lot of time thinking the game and he's talked to so many people that, you know, he really is a true fan of the game where he's always seeking an edge or an extra, you know, piece of information or which I think is probably a testament to him. And that's why he made that transition so seamless. Um, obviously, he's an extreme athlete and great arm, great runner, the power, you know, he, he can do anything on a field, but he's a hard worker, too. You know, he'd be out there every day shagging fly balls and BP, you know, taking ground balls too, doing both most days. So anything he can do to improve his game, even at this stage in his career is, is cool to watch. Now I'll tell you what, I, I saw Bobby make a play in right field where it was a ball hit off. The, I'm pretty sure it was Daniel Palka that hit it whenever yeah. Syracuse was in town <laughs> off the wall. Bobby played it so perfectly, just fired it straight shot to second base to get him out by like, five steps and it's just like yeah that guy has never played right field before this year before i don't believe that that was yeah incredible um and it was kind of funny that it was on palka as well but um i'm sure they kind of had some uh some chatter about that but um <laughs> i want to so I, I talked about you just being you know i i got the sense that you were very comfortable in the clubhouse and i i, I guess i want to know like how long did it take you after the trade it, it seems like it was it's been four years now, so it's been quite a quite a while. It seems like it's been a lot longer than that. But 
Um, how long did it take you after the trade for you to get like fully like comfortable and settled into the system? Um, I felt pretty comfortable right away. Um, straight into Greenville was nice. Um, that's a great place to play too. Um, it was a good group of guys on that team too. I think that's where kind of this kind of core group I've been playing with since 21 has, you know, kept advancing and it's a really good group of guys to play with. Um, the the organization did a pretty good job of, you know, bringing me in and kind of making me feel like it was also my first full season. So I didn't really have a lot of like expectations or I didn't really know because I'd only been to Tampa for such a short time. So it wasn't like it was this brand new, like, you know, I didn't really even know Tampa that well. So um, I felt comfortable coming over. And did you, uh, were, did you and Oso kind of have like a little pack? Cause you're like, Hey, me and you came over together. We're, uh, we're in this together type thing. I didn't know Oso there, but we definitely have a pack now. <laughs> yeah. He, he's, he's he the was best, awesome. Dude. I love that by guy. The way. What's that? He was awesome. Like he, uh, I remember, um, interviewing him on media day this past year, like in, at Polar Park and he was just like I don't know I just felt like he was always like very happy always had a smile on his face I don't he was just I don't know I just felt like he was always like like I don't even know how to word it he was just always like good vibes I guess there's Uh, nobody with a better attitude maybe in the world than Renato Hernandez (laughs) yeah there are some similarities with you two also because he didn't really go into this season with because of Alfaro um, he didn't necessarily have that full-time role that maybe he expected and he took everything that he was given and just kind of ran with it. And by the end of the season, I mean, he was drawing walks at a rate that he hadn't in his career. He was hitting homers again. He's, he's, it seems like there's a lot of that attitude in the clubhouse. Would you like where it's just kind of guys seizing the opportunities that they're given? Is that something though, that's more individual or is that like, is that something that's emphasized by the coaching? Um, the reality of it is at the end of the day, it's always individual. It's a team game, but you know, you gotta take your own at bats. And but with that being said, it becomes so much easier. It was kind of nice how you put it, Ed, when you do it as a team, you know, when you've got guys like, you know, even, even, you know, like the top prospects where you think they might not be, you know, not at all like Rafael and, and Abreu and these guys are working they are playing hard every day you know so it's like it's contagious when you see guys all through the lineup that are grinding out every at bat and i think that's why we had you know the offense that we had and the lineup that we had is like every guy that was in there was like really grinding it out every day and that's that makes it way easier to do it as an individual when you've got eight other guys that are you know pulling for you when you're up and are kind of attacking the pitcher the same way you're attacking it so it's kind of a long answer, but it's it's always individual, but it's much more simple when it's a group effort as well. Now, I, I want to uh, ask you about something. And I remember I interviewed you at one point during the season, and I think you had not hit a home run yet when I interviewed you. I forgot what month that was. And I, I remember at the very end, you're just Probably like, like August. Yeah. And you were kind of you said something to me. You were just like, oh, man, I went like, you know, maybe if I could just tap into that power a little bit you know that would be nice yeah. and then i'm pretty sure you hit your first home run that day like i guess uh, i don't know maybe you just spoke it into existence but um 
Which one of you? So you got on base a ton this year. Uh, you were drawing walks, just getting on base any way possible. But what were you most proud of that you did this year, just your overall game? Um, I would have to say the consistency. I think kind of just my mentality was much improved upon last year's. Kind of just a little more confident. Um, just had a better understanding of the game, too, I think was important. But I'd have to probably just say the consistency, just kind of bringing that, trying to bring that quality product every day and contribute to our team winning. Now, and so a bunch of your teammates got called up. You were just talking about Rafaela and Abreu and Valdez. And it, 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 a lot of the rookies are starting to get added to the team. Are you guys following them as they're sent up? Do you guys watch the, the big league team play there? Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's a blast to see those guys, you know, Valdez and, and Abreu and Rafael and, and a lot of the pitchers and other guys, you know, it, we get really excited to see them, Hamilton, to see them go up and, um, and perform. It's exciting. You know, we love those guys. So it's cool to see them fulfilling uh, their dreams and, and doing it at the biggest level. A play, walk, you've gotten to see Rafael also play shortstop and center field. Wh- which one do you think he's better at? Come on, Ed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's he's something else, man. You put him anywhere and you're in good shape. <laughs> you're asking the hard questions. Yeah. Yeah. Kick Can't your favorite child. Do it. <laughs> Can't put my guy on the spot. Come on. Um um, oh, now I, I, I was about to ask something, but I, I kind of, uh, I don't know. I lost. Oh, okay. I did. I did want to ask this. It's not, not a tough question or anything, but we were, when we were talking to Suge, um, he kind of talked about like what it was like, you know, playing under, uh, Paul Abbott and just that coaching staff this year. And he, you know, obviously had great things to say about Paul Abbott and how much he meant to the clubhouse. But do you have any, um, like what was your experience, I guess, playing under Tracy and, uh, Getty and Montville and all those guys this year, like, um, I guess just as a whole. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't even really know the proper way to describe it, but they're just so good. I mean, Getty and Mon and <clears throat> are great as a hitter to have them every day. I know, you know, Mont's gone now, but Mont was awesome. And Getty's mind is a gem. So working with him every day is beautiful. <laughs> and then, Tracy and Flo are so good together and Trace as a manager and Flo's knowledge and experience, you know, in the infield and just overall game knowledge, you know, little things from just really everything, base running, the pitchers, what they're doing, you know, how to get a little edge anywhere you can is it's a really high level um, coaching staff for AAA. You know, I know talking to some other guys, they're not getting what we're getting out of that staff. So we're, and we understand that we're grateful as players to have them. There's not a player in that clubhouse that didn't love any one of those four guys that I worked with. I didn't work with Paul, but I like Paul too. <laughs> um, so we understand how, how good they are and, and we're grateful for them. So I don't think like the casual fans, I, like what Ed said earlier, like casual fans with, with flow, I don't think they understand just how like underrated that guy is and incredible. Um, yeah. He is sneaky funny too. Like he would oh. sit, he would sit in our meetings. Like sometimes when we'd go in Tracy's office pregame 
he would be sitting at his desk and you know you don't think he's listening but then he'll just like chime in with something and just like roast tyler murray or something and i'm just like yeah. this guy has got it right now um yeah. i can only imagine what the uh yeah so like yeah is was there any good times i guess in your meetings like just like player meetings with him that you were just like okay this guy this guy's funny every day every right. single day yeah he's absolutely hilarious <laughs> Yeah, I figured as much. Like it's just, uh, you know, every time we got to interact with the guy, just and like you said, that yeah. whole staff, man, it's it was incredible. Right. Chad Tracy is going to be a major league manager one day. It's just a matter. It's not a matter right of up. if. It's just when. Um, Ed, what were I think you were trying? You were about to hop in. Oh, I just had a I had a question about so because you were talking about. Um, you know, just like the coaching staff and everybody, but there were also some of some players with some pretty veteran experience that were moving up and down this year. And, you know, you ended the season with Christian Arroyo, um, who obviously has been pretty relevant with the Red Sox on, uh, on the team for at the end of the year, there was Yu Chang, Trevor story was coming up, um, up and down a little bit with the, um, his rehab assignment, bunch of pitchers. Chris Sale was obviously there again for a bit. Was there anything that you uh, learned from the veteran players, and how did they, um, I guess, fit in with the uh, the rest of the team? There were they kind of a separate entity, or did they join into in, in with the team and kind of become a a part of it? Yeah, um, I would say I more so learned from guys like Miko Goodrum and and Bob and you know a little bit polka i mean having guys like story and stuff like that around is awesome but it's it's a shorter amount of time and they're kind of i mean they're great don't get me wrong they're anything you ask you know they're there for you whatever you want you know but it's just not as long so you don't really form the relationship as much whereas with you know with bob just from day one and and goodrum really just they kind of set the tone for our, our whole season where because a lot of those guys were kind of gone towards the end of the year, but it kind of set the tone for how to act and for, you know, a lot of the younger guys, you know, just understanding this is how you go about your day to day. And that's invaluable. You know, they've, they've been there, they've done it. They know the right way to go about it. And they just kind of, you know, lay out the landscape for, for how to get it done. Did Nico say anything about like how he, his pitch recognition, because that dude was drawing walks at an unbelievable rate this season. He's a really smart hitter. Um, I would I would talk to him the most when when he was um, with us. But extremely smart hitter. He just has such a good understanding of what they're trying to do to him. Very selective hitter at the same time. So you know if they don't throw him what he's prepared for, he's just gonna let it go. And I think he definitely reaped the benefits of the electronic strike zone as well. Um, but no, he's a really good player. He can he can hit and he can take his walks too. <laughs> We've had a lot of pitchers on talking about the electronic strike zone. Um, but I'm just curious from your perspective how you feel about it. Because you seem just based on the numbers, at least, it seems like you have a pretty good understanding of your strike zone. Um, how do you like having it there with the the automatic? And how do you feel about being able to challenge it if you don't like the call? Yeah, I think... I mean, I'm all for, you know, the human aspect of the game and there's going to be mistakes made. But at the same time, it's like you can't afford these mistakes to be made in certain situations or, 
like yeah i know this the world series and they've got the little square up there and it's like you know we're probably yelling at our tvs how could you call that a strike or how can you call it a ball the reality is hard for the umpires to be that good you know like it the ball's moving too fast it's moving all over the place it's very hard for them but as a hitter you know when it's a ball and you need that ball to be called a ball you know so i would i would approve for sure if they went full electronic but i understand i think the challenge system is fun too i think that would be a nice kind of hybrid where there's a little player versus umpire too which is always a good time so i would approve of the challenge method for sure going forward i don't know if you remember but that i think it was the last home game of the year in worcester and uh Politi was on the mound and they were the, it was like down to the last strike and they challenged yeah. it and the game just kept going and i'm just like holy cow like i don't know if this is like what they what they envisioned whenever they had this right. uh the challenge yeah. system but uh that is was, a little funky when you know it's late in the game and each team we've got two left or they've got three left and because if you get rung up on the last pitch and you got a couple left you have to burn them you know you might as well yeah. versus just walking away for it so i do understand that maybe they you get like a certain amount you can't use more than one in an inning or something to kind of clean that up a little bit, but I'll still take that over uh, getting rung up on a bad one to end the game for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. I got, so I have one last, like not a hard question, but it's and it, before I get into one offs, um, you're rule five eligible this off season. Uh, you put yourself into a position to where you should be on that radar. So did, was that ever on your mind throughout the year? And I guess what's your mindset towards it now? The reality is, is we all know where we're at and we all know where we're trying to be. So, you know, of course that's in your mind, but you can't, you know, spend time worrying about decisions that, you know, you don't make. So you just go out and play and, you know, over the next couple months, we'll we'll see what happens. But either way, next year, I'm just going to go out and, and play. So that's kind of where I'm at. All right. So, Ed, unless you got something to follow up on, I have some one-offs, so I'll let I'm you. I'm ready for the one-offs. I'm, you, you, you know which one I'm excited for, so we'll, we'll get there. All right. There. Well, I, I, I like this because I know my man, Nick Sogard, is a very cultured man. And I know that, obviously, being a California guy, you've lived, like, all over the country. So I feel like you, you, you're going to have some good answers. But, yeah, the, the first one has been the most controversial. And you're not a Southern guy, so maybe it's not going to be as controversial. It's not like In-N-Out and Whataburger because I already know your answer. Like, that's, yep. <laughs> yeah, so it's not that because that's just like a – like, I would not be giving that softball question. But, all right, so first question. What is the go-to fried chicken fast food place? Does Chick-fil-A count? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Chick-fil-A counts. I'm, I'm going to get flack for sure from from probably Suge and guys from down there, but I don't go down there. I've never been to Texas before in my life, so I don't know. I'm going with Chick-fil-A. Okay. They're the the what right is, answer what is, is the that that's kind Z of an uncool answer. I feel like it's the, the right answer for me. I I said okay. Chick Fil A for this too because I I am also not from the South, so I don't I don't have access to the Chicken Expresses and the the Zaxby's of the world. Right. You never I had Canes before. Expresses. I, I, I didn't like until Hunter Dobbins came on. So we're yeah. <laughs> Canes is good, but you said go to, so that okay. is Chick Fil A. I no, it's fair. You're a Cali guy. I, I wouldn't expect any different. Um, 
and because it is funny it's a lot of the southern guys or it's very like it hits home and the chicken express thing i think is just a texas but zaxby's canes can't go wrong chick-fil-a i guess i'll take it um <laughs> okay so my second question here uh you grew up in california you uh obviously have now played all up and down the east coast in the sock system what was the number one hardest thing to adjust to a winter to cold weather here with and you can't just say cold yeah um i don't mind the cold weather itself um but playing in the cold is a little bit of a different different thing because you know you gotta your body needs to move quick you need to react quick you know kind of explosive movements so playing in the cold is a little bit tougher but even then after a couple you know this being like, I guess my second year of doing it really, because Portland was pretty cold last year. I felt way more comfortable this year than I did the year before. So just little stuff, keep the hands warm. Um, just keep your body moving as much as you can when you're in the dugout and stuff like that. And that's helped. So my next question here is uh, you're a Sacramento Kings fan. Yeah. So my question is, how does it feel to be one of only 10 fans for the Sacramento <laughs> Kings in the world? Dude, you got to get out to Sacramento and see what the stadium's <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, I no, didn't see you post at a game, I think, or, uh, not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, no, it's fun. It's, it's more fun now that they're um, performing a little better, so... <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll get... I was kind of... I was obviously joking, but I feel like if... Right. if if I pulled people in California, like who they're a fan of, it's either probably going to be Lakers, Warriors, yeah, maybe Clippers, maybe. Ex literally any team except in Sacramento. They're all okay. Kings fans, I promise. It's it's kind of rowdy. You'd be surprised. It's fair. It's fair. It's uh, They do have like a sneaky good team this year. So that's uh, yeah. and they were last year too. So, yeah. Um, okay. I, I, I remember you were wearing a Kings shirt in there and I'm kind of like, Wow, that's like the first time I've ever seen somebody wearing a Sacramento right. Kings. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I don't know. It was kind of wild. Especially, yeah, especially in Massachusetts. You've probably never seen that one before. <laughs> yeah. It, well, like I said, though, it's like, I feel like, you know, if people, I see like some of the guys in the system from California, they're like posting like Lakers stuff and all that. I was like, okay, like I get it. It's, yeah. it's a very cool thing to do, I guess. Um. All right, so I had one of my last one-offs here is, uh, well, so how was, so when you left Worcester, did you drive to California? Um, no. So I drove to Nashville, and then from there I flew to Pittsburgh. Okay. So no, sorry, from there I flew to California. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Have you yeah. ever made that drive from california to like the east coast before to play um i drove from california to minnesota okay that's my longest drive i was gonna say do you know how long that drive would take and it probably would make somebody go crazy so i was curious if you've ever done it before yeah no that'd be tough the one to minnesota was long it was a little over 30 hours <sighs> and it took us three days we did like 10 hours per day <laughs> That's, oh some, that's some serious driving. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did Massachusetts to Arizona, and I've done Massachusetts to New Orleans before, and it gets it gets pretty uh, yeah pretty monotonous. But do you, what do you do when, like on those long trips? Like, are you a radio guy, podcast guy? You just talk to whoever you're with. Like, how do you how do you uh, kill the time on a long car trip? 
Um, it kind of depends. Normally just music or yeah, normally music, but sometimes I'll mix in a podcast. Yeah, I'll be I'll be honest with you. I don't actually listen to podcasts for the most part. Like I do I, don't I do this stuff, yeah. but it's I, I don't like listening to what other people are doing because then I feel like I'm gonna be tempted to steal from them and I don't wanna I don't wanna <laughs> do that. So <laughs> that makes sense. It's fair. Um, I feel like I wouldn't be doing the Sogard family justice without at least mentioning that you have one of the best support systems in, I think, well, definitely in Worcester this past year, because uh, I got to meet your parents and they were just awesome people. Uh, your sister even came and sang a national anthem like that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess like uh, how cool is it, I guess, to have like that good of a support system for you there that is like they might be all the way across the country, like probably the furthest from you that they could possibly be in the United States. And they're still like I feel like they were right there. Right. Yeah, no, they don't they don't miss a game. So <clears throat> whether they're in Massachusetts or California, they're always watching. Um, they're probably more excited after a good game than I am <laughs> and more devastated after a bad one than me, too. <laughs> But uh, no, it's it's so good to have, you know, them supported me my whole life, and especially at this at this level to have that support group there is, it, you know, it obviously means a lot, and I'm grateful for it. We uh, we we've heard the the famous FaceTime with uh, your mom FaceTimed you, and I guess she was just saying like, can you guys just like not suck pretty much, <laughs> and uh, and Shug was just like overhearing it, and I remember I, it was either you or him that told me that story, but yeah, um, it's 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 <laughs> uh, it's pretty that. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I had just had a tough one probably an offer with a couple k's and Suge gave a few up on the mound and she called me and said get Suge over there and said you guys like completely suck today or something like that like figure it out <laughs> don't do that shit again tomorrow so that's, that's pretty much how that call went that's uh, yeah. motivational speaking 101 right there yeah um, it's out of love you know she obviously didn't she's not like serious on that call but it's funny <laughs> she kind of is funny. yeah um, so you, your cousin was the only, um, MLB, like former MLB player on the Czech Republic team in the, uh, um, the world baseball classic last year. Is that, cause I don't know if that's your side of the family or uh, as well. Is that something that you, that you would be able to do if you ever wanted to, and would the, would you ever want to play in the world baseball classic, uh, regardless? Um, he got his Czech citizenship through his mom. So that's not something that okay. I could get. I don't, I don't think. Um, but yeah, the World Baseball Classic is obviously an extremely fast growing kind of thing. I mean, it's been around, but it seems like the popularity and, and care for it is like really skyrocketing. Yeah, you know, blew especially up in this last, last year. Otani, I mean, right. that last at Otani versus Trout was that was insane. Right. That might have been the moment, and it was a great baseball season. That might have been the best moment of it. Was that one at bat? Right. It was nuts. Yeah, you can just see how much it means to represent, you know, your country, and and it's a really competitive tournament. So, yeah, that would be cool. All right, Nick, I got two questions left um, as my final ones. You've given us a ton of your time, so thank you for that. Um, I I wouldn't. I told you off air. We I was going to ask you about this. I got, I want to know your thoughts on the ping pong table there in the locker room. Yeah. So. I got some quotes from Suge about, you know, we were just kind of like, okay, like who, who's the best, who's the worst. And he actually, I think he may, or maybe Brennan Nail may have said that you were 
like low key one of the better guys on the table. How were the battles in the locker room? I guess there was a lot of them. Um, The reality of who's the best, what needed to happen was a tournament because, for example, I hate to say this, but I never beat Bobby once. But Bobby never beat Caleb Hamilton once. And I beat Caleb Hamilton every time. So there's kind of a little bit of uh, and then Fitzy was very good. But at the end, Fitzy was getting kind of got by a few guys. So there needed to be a tournament to crown a true king, which never happened. But it's competitive in there on that table for sure. Parker, I think we got to organize this for next year. I think we've got to do a racket, man. uh, Like around the all-star break or something, just like a – just a tournament of uh, to, to really decide this. It's like, that's funny though. It's like the rock, paper, scissors sort of thing here. Right. So it ends up being matchup based. Did Bobby really have his own like custom, custom battles like, like Forrest Gump? Um, Fitzy for sure. Fitzy kind of brought that. <laughs> Fitzy started that trend. If there was one where people started buying paddles, which is true. Murph bought a paddle for no reason. Murphy's not very good. Um, <laughs> Bob did buy a paddle. So, yeah, the, the guys started buying paddles. I kind of just inherited one that was there and stuck it in my locker. But, yeah, yeah it, it was good. So, it was, uh, man, it was crazy some days just to walk in there and just <laughs> like you would just hear some. And I, I, I felt so bad for Ryan Fernandez and Joe Jakes because oh, yeah. their, their locker was <laughs> right behind the table. And, you know, they're two quiet guys, and the balls are just whizzing by their head. And I'm just like, dude, Joe Jakes might be a quiet dude, but, like, if he gets smoked in the head, like, you might might get upset, man. It's, uh, I don't know, you guys are nuts on the table. For sure. Um, So Um, I I have one last question, Ed. I don't know what what you have. but I've got got two. Um, So I'm just going to ask one of them right now, which is uh, you played in the uh, in lead up last year a little bit, the uh, the Dominican Winter League. Um, How was how was your experience there? And are you going to be uh, doing any winter ball this offseason? None this offseason. Just kind of prioritizing gaining strength and (laughs) continuing to work on the bat speed and stuff like that, but I loved it down there. I definitely will do that again at some point in my career. I don't really know when, but I'll definitely go back down there. It was a great time. All right, Ed, you, you, uh, I'll finish this off. If you got your last one in the okay, tank. So my, my last question for you talked about the ping pong. You were up a bit in Worcester for 2022. Also, did you uh, participate in the chess tournament they were doing? No, I didn't. I didn't completely get boy. into the the chess wave. Not really. No, okay. that was a big deal, though. They were all about Shug the was chess for a while. Proud. Yeah, yeah. I heard. I just remember hearing that Franchi was like a chess savant. So I was. I'm just, I, yeah. I, I want to know. I want to know, like, um, who like the top players there were. I'm very curious about the chess scene. I wasn't super into the chess scene, so I can't. I can't tell you with clarity who who was top dog, but. They were they were definitely into it. I can tell you that much. All right. So are you are you a goals guy at all? What's that? Are you a goals guy? Like, do you set goals before like seasons? Mm, no, I try not to be like focusing on the numbers too much. I kind of try and maybe set more like mental goals of how I want my mind to be before I go to the field every day or. I just try to worry about the things that I can 
control really more so than that number on the scoreboard. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't know, like, cause I feel like some guys are very different with that where I know we talked to a few guys where there's like, okay, like I want to be at like a certain like body weight or I want to do certain oh, things okay, in the gym. Okay, sorry. I thought you were speaking more of like season statistics. Course. Oh no. Just like, what? Okay, like okay, how okay. are you prepping yourself before you show up to spring training? Like if you had yeah. certain goals in mind. Definitely trying to gain a lot of strength. Yeah, I do have off-season goals. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's um, all good. Hitting the weight room pretty hard. Um, running are two of my main goals. <clears throat> and then the bat speed. So I'm going to be working pretty hard with the Red Sox on that and as well as on my own to get that going a little bit too. We'll be uh, we'll be looking forward to seeing Sogard in the the power department next year, uh, hitting <laughs> it over that Worcester wall, man. Um, I'd love to see you in spring training this year. After that, that's gonna be that's gonna be really cool. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, Nick, we uh, we appreciate the time, um, and it's it's a pleasure, man. It's uh, definitely the guy that I think trademarked the Woo Dogs. I'm pretty sure that was you. I I heard it first <laughs> out of your mouth, so I'm gonna say it was you. Um, I'll take but, it. Thank you for hopping on and uh, joining us. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it.